the game was different, right? The the, the rules was different. The ball. Oh, was the, Euro, different. The, Euro, the Euro style is different in America. The Euro style was a lot different in America. <laughs> That's the Especially, first time y'all seen that Euro step too, huh? Absolutely. Hi, my name's Jade. I'm from England and I went to Northeast Community College in Nebraska for two years and University of Sioux Falls in South Dakota for one year and I recently left. Beautiful. Nice to have you with us today, Jade. Thanks for coming out. Um, you know, very, very privileged to have you with us today, um, especially seeing you from a tiny Jade to a slightly bigger Jade to a Jade that's, you know, I wouldn't say taller than me, but you know, just a little bit, you know, on the higher end of the scale. <laughs> uh, why did you choose to go to America to study and play ball? Well, when I was at Seven Oaks, it was kind of what the other girls were doing, and I thought, oh, I may as well look into it. Maybe I can make it. And then I just kind of went with it. It was just one of those things where it's either I'm going to do it now, I'm going to actually have a chance to play basketball or I'm never going to have this chance again. So I decided to take my step when I could and I'm glad I did it. I had good times out there. Okay. Um, and why did you choose Nebraska? How, how and why did you choose Nebraska? Um, it was really hard to get a scholarship, mm -hmm. um, especially when you're not one of the, the big names that GB basketball promote a lot. I was never one of the ones that everyone knew. I was only one that some people knew. So it was harder to get that help, you know what I mean? Like to find a school. And Northeast was the school that offered me a full scholarship to go play. And I was not gonna turn that down. It was something like free university to play basketball and get a degree. It's like the perfect situation for me to be in. Okay. And what was your recruitment process like? difficult it was I didn't have help so I did everything on my own so what I did was I went on Wikipedia and I got a list of all the schools all the NCAA schools all the NJCAA schools and I emailed every coach I just went through the list and just just emailed everyone and I think I emailed over a hundred schools and I maybe got three replies oh wow so it's it's hard and you if you know people who use them but I just I didn't really have those contacts at that time and I went it alone and somehow managed to get there. But you just have to persevere through it because it will be rough. Oh man, so, you know, when you, when Northeast uh, contacted or reached out to you, what was that process like? Oh, it was, it was just like, finally, like everything I've been doing has paid off to get this. And uh, Coach Svaler at Northeast is an amazing coach and. I'm so thankful to have him, you know, to be part, him to be part of my life and how to get through my career with basketball. Like, if I didn't have him, I wouldn't be in the States. I wouldn't have gone at all because I wouldn't have had anywhere to go. What was the, the process in terms of you getting there? Did you go and do a visit? Um, did the coach, you know, how did you get that connection, uh, connection with the coach in terms of what he wanted from you and uh, did it fit the program? Okay, so um, I didn't visit physically um, because it's expensive and I can't afford it. So uh, he, I Skyped him quite a lot and he took me round the school 
and throughout the campus on Skype and he sent me a whole video that they made specifically for international students to see what the school's like and then he put me in contact with the international advisors at the school and they're great all of them know exactly what they're doing they know when like all the visas and stuff it gets a bit complicated but they're quite really good at helping and they told me all about how I would apply for a visa how I'd get this and it was just lots of input from people who know what they're doing and it was really helpful even though I didn't visit I felt like that school was going to be a good fit and he showed obviously I spoke to some of the girls he put us all in contact with each other like put in contact with my roommate and I'm still friends with my roommates to this day so it's just one of those things that it was really helpful nice and then what what about the style of play how, how did that connect um, in terms of what he wanted from you know a new recruit and what you had to offer so at the time when i was playing i was more of a three four um and i went there and i was put in the four spot which is what i was kind of expecting because i am six one and i wasn't gonna expect to be guard when there's all these other five ten guards who are quicker than me mm. but i was a shoot a big who could shoot and who could also run the floor so it fit in with their really their style was fast paced they like to run the floor and they also don't like having a a true five in mm. they preferred like the bigs had to be able to shoot and like the other big i played with a lot she was a more of a pure post played back to basket but we kind of had that connection so it all kind of fit into each other. So we would know when to go where kind of thing. Like it just kind of, you kind of build out that bond at college. It's just how it goes. Okay, fair enough. Beautiful, there you go. Okay, um, and that situation, was it a full scholarship? Was it a partial scholarship? What, did it depend on your grades? Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I was offered full scholarship without flight. So the only thing I had to pay for the whole year was my flights to and from. Okay. Um, and so they paid for my school books, like the textbooks I was required to mm -hmm. use. Every credit hour I was there, every, um, my dorm room I was staying in, um, the food, meal plans, they paid for everything. Awesome. Except the okay. flights and it was just, you know, one of those things which I couldn't turn down. Okay, and did your academics play a part in it as well? So, uh, speaking to a lot of players recently, you know, they've explained that. Uh, some of them have had partial uh, athletic and partial academic, just kind of giving them the full ride. Did your grades play a part in that any at all? No, I was full athletic scholarship. Um, both years I was there and um, he usually gave out full, full rides to, um, full ride athletic to those who were international. We had quite a few internationals on our team. And those who were not international had a partial athletic, partial academic. So okay. we were really good. We were, it was a really good jukepo for academic wise as well. And I ended up doing really well there and did graduate. So. Okay, awesome. And then when you left, um, where did you leave to? Pardon? I said, when you left Nebraska, where did you go? Sioux Falls, South Dakota, about two hours north. Okay, um, and what yeah. was that like? T tell us about that recruitment process. Um, I wanted to try and stay in the Midwest. I like the area. I like the fact that there's winter and then there's summer. It's quite a big dramatic difference. 
And um, I knew that the NSIC uh, was a really good conference for Div 2 level. And um, Sioux Falls is a re was a really great basketball school. It was amazing. Like they won tournaments. They went to the NCAA tournament as we did last year. Um, and it was just like, it was one of the only schools I could go visit because it was within two hours and I had someone willing to drive me. Okay, so it was more, so would you say it was more convenient or more um, like suited to you? Was it more tailored? Or it was a bit of both. It was okay. convenient to go visit there, but I was speaking to a school in Texas, um, but I couldn't afford the flight down and I didn't have much time left because school was ending and my flight was booked to go home. And it was just kind of a bit of a rushed last minute trying to go visit schools while I was still out in the States instead of being home. Uh, take us through that experience when you was in South Dakota. It was a very different environment. Um, JUCO is for those who work hard individually and on their mm. own time. And it's a very underdog mindset and you have to grind to get anywhere from JUCO because it's, it's hard because you're going up against people who are freshmen who have got four years of eligibility left when you're a soft you're just sophomore going to junior you've only got two years left so you've okay. got to be twice as good for those two years than this one player can be for four years so you have to be already at a stage where you can be in like have impact in the team you're going to so when i went to sioux falls i thought oh yeah i can really impact it here they don't have a post like me their posts are big back to basket people they may not be tall but they're more back to basket. However, when I got to Sioux Falls, it was a bit of a different situation. Um, I did appreciate everything they did and the coach was amazing and everything, but it's just different to what I thought I was gonna be doing. I was promised this, that, and the other. However, what many coaches do, and it's not just this school, it was tons of schools, they try and sell it to you more because they mm -hmm. want you there. They're gonna pay for you to be there, but you may sit on the bench for the whole year, just because you're a good name to have. It's one of those things. And it ended up not working out for me. And I'm not saying it's not gonna work out for anyone, just I didn't feel like I could be there another year. So it was one of those things. But Sioux Falls, I really enjoyed. I got to do some amazing things with some amazing people. And the coaches were lovely off court and on court. It was just a bit more intense because it was a different, obviously it's a step up from Juco as well. So from JUCO Div 1 to NCAA Division 2 is a big jump and it's, I was not prepared for that jump, I don't think. So, okay, and that's great. That's, that leads me straight into my next question. What, what's the biggest difference or what are the differences uh, between JUCO and D2? JUCO is very every man for themselves, I'd say because you're fighting against all these other players to get scholarships that for four-year schools. Mm. Uh, D2 is faster paced, it is harder, players are bigger, players are stronger, you train harder, you train more than once, you can train up to three times a day, you'll lift three times a week minimum, you'll do conditioning at 6am on a Friday, like things that you didn't do at JUCO, well the JUCO I went to at least, you'll do it D2 and you have to be prepared for it mentally, otherwise it drains you because no one wants to get up at 6 a.m. and run sprints. 
no one wants to lift at 7am in the morning before you've got four classes in that day no one wants to do it it sucks but you have to do it it's it's a whole different mentality okay um i like that take on it in terms of uh understanding the difference and, and as far as I understand and from what uh, others have been saying is that I guess it's a bit more not saying that Juco isn't professional but it's a lot more mm. professional like when you go to a D1 or a D2 uh, D3 it's like a lot more like yeah. regimented and structured and stuff so yeah. D2s obviously have more money than Juco's they're bigger they draw bigger crowds you know what I mean mm. uh so they had the opportunity to hire we had at my juco i had a head coach an assistant coach and a athletic trainer and that athletic trainer was for all sports teams at my juco and we didn't uh-huh. and then i go to this d the d, d, uh, go to this d2 i have a head coach two assistant coaches one's a post coach one's a guard coach i have a two strength and conditioning coaches i have at least seven athletic trainers oh wow yeah for one like almost it was one between like three or four sports they do three or four sports each and it was just bigger everything was more advanced we do different types of training and like at juco i do the same lift twice a week and would switch between five exercises but then we get to d2 and i did three lifts um three times a week conditioning after every lift uh there was a football stadium so we did stairs a lot um we did this thing called a boston which is just hell um it's just full court sprints for 3 minutes oh really oh god yeah no it kills you it it doesn't sound bad but then you do it and you get to 1 minute in you're like oh god this is 3 minutes is really long it's like when you hold a plank and you're yeah, like oh yeah, yeah. a minute's not that long i can do it and then you're like half 30 seconds in you're like oh my god yeah, <laughs> it's one of those yeah, yeah. things Okay. It just, yeah, it's just a whole different, so much more. I'm not going to say professional, but so much more, like regimented. So much more time slots. You've got okay. everything's set daily. Whereas Juco, sometimes we didn't know what we'd do for the week. It'd switch up a lot. So. Fair enough. So you're not going to be doing Boston's anytime soon in your free time, no? No. no. I make that. My brother do them, and I made my <laughs> girls do them. My gut, the girls I coach, I made them do one. <laughs> <laughs> They did not like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, okay. So, reflecting now and, and thinking back, um, what three things or, or what things would you do differently um, if given the opportunity? Um, that's a tough question. Um, I think I would have explored my options more. I think I kind of. both cases both juco and d2 i think i settled with the first option i got mm-hmm. and i think i could have explored more and i think i could have had different opportunities if i actually did more research into them um i also think that i wish i wasn't i didn't play post i it's nothing against being a post i just i've played guard all my life even though i'm tall at 7 i played guard and Len let me and I think that's where I was most valuable and yeah as soon as I got to Juco and as soon as I got to Sioux Falls I was put as a post because I was tall and I wish I actually went no I want to play try and play guard more and I think um 
another thing that goes along with that is getting personally I could have been a lot fitter um I thought I especially transitioned to JUCO to D2 I thought oh yeah it'll be a similar kind of fitness level and I kind of did the same kind of training I did when I was at JUCO and then I get there and I'm like one of the the least fit and I was just it, it was a shock I was like I worked so hard at JUCO and yet I come here and I'm now the worst like it's one of those things you just I just feel like I could have done those three things so much better. It's interesting. We um, we we spoke to um, a player from Spain, a player called Diamond, and he kind of had the same issue in terms of um, he was a he was a big guard from a junior, and you know he went to two JUCOs and then he went to a D one, and because he was like six seven six eight. Um, and he was a really good guard, I know, from when I, I met him and because of his height and size, um, he ended up playing his whole college career in the post and it really did affect him. So, um, and that's kind of like why I asked the question about, you know, where you fit in the, where you fit in the coach's system, because I think when you're being recruited or when you're looking at a lot of these programs, it's very important for you to ask that question and, and to be, you know, understand your role, you know, hey coach, where do you want me to play? What is my role in this team? Um, and I guess, you know, if you're in a situation where you've got no other offers, you then decide, hey, well, I'm going to take this offer to go and spend the time or, you know, I'm going to stay home and enjoy, you know, my time at home and play the position where I want to play. So, um, Yes, yeah, it's a pretty tough situation to be put in. Um, what's the best part of playing um, basketball in the States? It's the people you meet and the, the places you get to go just through basketball in general. Um, I was lucky enough to go to Hawaii and mm. I would never have in my like wildest dreams, imagine going to Hawaii onto one of the most pre beautiful places I've ever been, all because my team went there to play three teams, three schools out there. And I had a whole week in Hawaii in November, which in Sioux Falls is knee deep snow. So when you get to Hawaii when it's like really hot and you can go to the beach, it's just like a whole, and you get to do all these things as a team. And even though I haven't seen my roommate from freshman year for three years, I still talk to her and I'm still friends with her to this day. So it's one of, and I obviously I met my boyfriend at college and like all these things, you get to create friendships and basketball is fun and it should always be fun. And the friendships come with it. And that's probably the best part about basketball is the people you meet. Okay, that's, yeah, I like that. Um... How is it playing with the fans in, you know, both JUCO and D2? How's, how how did you find the fanfare? Because obviously, you know, playing in Surrey or whatever, you get like, you know, 20 people maybe. Um, so how, how did you deal with that kind of contrast? So I played at the O2 with Seven Oaks and that was a big one. That mm. was crazy. And then when I did Euros in Dublin, we played Ireland and the atmosphere in there was crazy. So I had some kind of little bits of experience with like the fans, but Juco not so much, but D2 more so. 
we had sold out stadium like the the gym was sold out we'd have all these people watching and they'd call your name you'd run on the floor and it would just be like whoa but i'm quite i get really like blindsided like if you're not inside the four lines you don't exist so like i didn't really hear that and i didn't really pay too much attention to it because i'm kind of really focused and when there's that many people you kind of have to be otherwise you're gonna get lost in the moment and that's when the mistakes happen and then you don't get to play so you have to kind of be in the moment so you didn't get heckled you didn't remember hey english could be long stocky like i don't know something no one gave you any crap no no one really gave me anything from it because you only would really really hear it if i talked but oh, yeah. I wasn't quite, I wasn't that loud. Surprisingly, I wasn't that loud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. I like it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, so so tell us about your reasons for leaving Seaford. Um, they are personal uh, because obviously. If I could have finished my degree this year, I would have. And if I thought I was mentally capable of standing in the position I was in last year to finish my degree, then I would have done it. However, uh, I was injured last year for a portion. I partially tore ligaments in my thumb, so I was out. Um, but I still went to practices, still went to games, did everything I could to support my team. Um, and the pressure from coaches and uh, not so not really the players, mainly the coaches to get back into full fitness and play again was extreme. Uh, it was as if it was as if my injury didn't exist, and I felt as though I was trapped, being almost forced to play where I could literally tear my thumb apart. And if I did that, it would be game over. I would have been out for years. Um, so I made the decision to go with the doctors and listen to what they said and not spend extra money on getting a second opinion um, to, to, to heal correctly and then come back when my time is right. And I think that's another reason I left is because it was just so much pressure. It was constant. You need to be performing. Otherwise, you're not going to play and I'm not going to give you your scholarship next year. I'll take everything you have away from you. You have to do this or everything goes away. You're not working hard enough. To... And it was lots of, I don't want to be in an environment where my performance, obviously performance matters, but my work ethic should not be questioned. It should not be, if you don't do this once a week, I'm going to take your money away. Like, it's I just couldn't be in that environment for my own mental health. I think I would have lost, the, I would have gone a bit crazy. And it, it was just something I didn't want to deal with. So I, I decided to, do you know what? I'm done. I'm going to exit on my terms. So it's over. I, I'm not coming back. Yeah, that, that, that must be tough. Um, when you made that decision or when you was making that decision, um, like what's what was the processes in terms of who did you speak to did you like did you speak to people about it was it um something isolated or you know was it like a kind of like a spur of the moment thing or was it something that's been happening over a while i think it was 
during season, I think it was made quite like in the back of my mind. I wouldn't really think about it, but it would be one of those things. Damn, I wish I could quit today. I wish I could leave. You know what I mean? But when I got home, finally, after all this quarantine stuff, um, and speaking to my coach, I was working out daily, working really hard, trying to get my fitness up. Um, and he said one thing to me that was, where are you from again? And that's when it kind of snapped because I was the only international student on the team. Um, and the fact he didn't know where I was from, even though being with him for a year would, was quite shocking. Um, so I think that's when I went, I'm not coming back to my dad. And he went, are you serious? I went, yeah, I'm over it. I'm not coming back. So he was like, right, take your time to figure this out, sort of mm -hmm. plan what you're doing. And I was like, right, I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. And once I got everything kind of in motion and I've decided, I've obviously I've set up everything that I'm going to do, I'm taking a year out and then going back to school, but online so I can continue working. Um, so it's a lot of, I just had to, before I told my coach, I set up what I was going to do for my future before I even mentioned it to my coach. And he didn't fight for me to stay, so it was pretty simple. Okay. Um, and I guess as it's fresh, as it's just kind of happening, um, I don't think there's enough time to kind of, you know, backtrack. But as it stands now, do you wish or do you think that you could have dealt with it a different way in terms of you know not leaving um or are you you know currently right now like hey i'm happy i made the, the decision i'm really happy with what i've done i am coaching a great group of under 16 girls for this year so i've got teams on the go there i am working where i want to work it's for the career i want to go into um, and it's going to allow me to get my degree if once I do that. And then my aim is to go out into back to the States and uh, teach special ed. And that is what I want to do. And that's what I'm working as. So it all kind of fits in. And I'm much happier now than I would be if I was back at school. Okay, marvellous. I'm happy. I'm happy to hear that. Um, okay, so this side of the interview is more trivial questions. Um, <laughs> light-hearted stuff and, and kind of helps the our international students who do decide to go to Nebraska or South Dakota kind of gives them like a heads up all right so mm -hmm. what's the weather like in both those places so South Dakota is just above Nebraska so they're basically the same uh mm. winter you'll hit minus 40 40 degrees Celsius with minus 60 degree wind chill with snow up to your knees and you are still forced to go to class because they don't cancel unless the wind chill, if you're out in the wind for, because it gets so cold, if you're out in the wind with exposed skin for 10 minutes, you can get frostbite. That's when they cancel school. But that's never, and then in the summer, it gets ridiculously hot. So it's basically two extremes. Okay, and how hot does it get during the summer? So uh, Arizona, Phoenix, I know it gets like one, 10, 115, 120 sometimes. Does it get that hot? I think it's up to maybe 100, 105, but not okay. more than that. Okay, okay, cool. Um, great, so where's the best places to go? So, you know, um, you know, I'm about to pack my bags. I'm gonna go to Nebraska. Where's the best, where's, where's the must-see destination? Uh, Omaha Zoo is all right in Nebraska. 
Um, and if you're going to go to Nebraska, you got to go to Lincoln. Uh, it's like one of the big cities with a with the uh, where the Cornhuskers play. So that obviously Nebraska doesn't have any professional sports teams. It's all college. So if you want to go see a really great atmosphere like football game, go to the uh, University of Nebraska Lincoln. Mm-hmm. So that's a great place to go. Um, and everyone out there is absolutely insane. Like Go Big Red is the is the chart everywhere. Everywhere is Go Big Red in Nebraska. And then uh, if you're in Norfolk, which is where my school was, uh, go to a little restaurant called El Rodeo. It's oh, some of the best Mexican I've had. It's so good. El Rodeo. My boyfriend, dro- yeah, El Rodeo. Yeah. My boyfriend drove from Minnesota to Nebraska for a two-day trip and had El Rodeo every meal. <laughs> so good. It must be good if he's making that two-day trip. <laughs> I know. Man. It was oh, amazing. Okay. But yeah, uh, and then South Dakota, um, it's nice. It's like a, it's a nice little city. It's the biggest city in South Dakota, but it's not that big. Um, there's a lot of things to do there, but I just didn't really go out much. I just kind of worked really hard because I had a lot of schoolwork. Um, but there's some nice bars there. There's um, like, when if you, you go downtown, there's- Over 21. Over 21, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if you're, um, there's a really nice restaurant called Carnival. It's all like, they bring you meat on sticks. Okay. Like, so I don't like steak, but they brought other stuff. They had tons of steak, chicken, all these different like Brazilian cooked meats, like the way they cook them. And it's really good. Bit expensive, but it's really good. Nice, okay. Um, best place to get trainers uh, or sneakers? Um, are you a sneakerhead? No. Not really. I'm not okay. really that into shoes. I like Vans and I like Converse, but I don't really collect like, I don't really buy a pair of Jordans just to wear them. No, I couldn't. I don't. I don't have money to spend on Jordans. <laughs> I, buy, okay. I buy other things. <laughs> I, I got you. Makes Mainly sense. food. <laughs> makes, makes sense. Okay. Um, best American holiday and why? Thanksgiving. Okay. Food. Pop, popular one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just said food. Okay. Right. Um, who did you spend Thanksgiving with in the States? Um, my first year, my first and second year, me and the international students had Thanksgiving dinner together at our coach's house. So that was really, really sweet. And then my junior year, I was in Hawaii for actual Thanksgiving. So we had Hawaii, uh, Hawaiian Thanksgiving at a pub okay. <laughs> with like, and I did like the food. And then when I got home back to Sioux Falls, uh, I went to my boyfriend's family and we had Thanksgiving dinner there. Which was nice. Okay. okay, nice, nice, quaint little, um, little setup. Uh, did you get homesick, and how did you deal with it? Yeah, I got really homesick because I'd never lived in anywhere away from my family really, and uh, I don't have a big family. There's just myself, my parents, my two brothers, and my grandma. Um, and my granddad was around until Christmas of sophomore year. Uh, I missed, I didn't miss the funeral, I missed everything. So you do get homesick, but uh, 
usually like every couple of weeks depending on how much stuff I was getting sent I'd get sent uh, chocolates and British snacks and letters and pictures that my brothers drew, my little brother drew and kind of little things from home that you know you need and they'd send them like I got sent Jaffa cakes Cadbury's stuff I couldn't actually get out <laughs> it's always food related I don't know if you noticed <laughs> yeah, I was like man I'm just hearing chocolate cake. I'm like, chocolate Jaffa yeah yeah and now I'd get letters and pick I had a whole wall like this size in my room yeah. and it was full of like you know when you like have a disposable camera and you take yeah, them to yeah, the yeah, picture yeah. shop and they print them off like I had a whole wall wall full of those pictures just of the family um oh. so it was just little things like that that kept you going like something to keep you sane and then I spoke to my parents almost daily like I'd video call them they'd be like what do you want now I'm like oh I'm just eating my dinner what do you want what do you want to do you want to talk about anything <laughs> how was your day they'd be like they're almost sick of me from calling them too much <laughs> speak to them more when you're away than when you're at home right yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> um right last few questions before I let you go um interesting question um and I always I think this might actually be a piece of of, uh, of the videos that I'm gonna do me trying to articulate properly um, so when you're in college uh, both duco and and, and um, d2 um, there's gonna be a lot of distractions you know you being away from home um, and kind of having your own independence real independence um, there's gonna be a lot of distractions. Um, I'm assuming there's gonna be a lot of different uh, people and personalities that you mix with, and there's gonna be, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, and, and boys. Um, how did you deal with those distractions? It was, it's one of those things. Obviously, being from the UK, you get to drink at 18, and then my birthday's the end of May. So I had maybe two months of freedom before I was sent off to another country I couldn't drink in. Mm. And it was it was hard because I had friends who were 21 and they would go out and I would go out with them, but I was sober and I'd just be the mum of the group taking care of everybody. So it was hard to do all that, but you don't need all that stuff to still have a good time. Like people, you don't wanna be absolutely wasted puking everywhere dying and don't remember half the night i'd much rather have like sober have a great time spend time with my friends you know and obviously there's going to be drugs and alcohol offered to you and you just have to think about the reason you're out there the reason i was out there was to play basketball i was given an opportunity to get my school paid for and everything i wanted to do paid for to play basketball and I didn't want to mess that up I didn't want to get in trouble I didn't want to um, lose what I had worked so hard to gain you just oh. have to remember the purpose you're out why you're out there go out have fun but don't do the stuff that you're not allowed to do mm, fair enough um, yeah I, I'd imagine it, it'd be tough man especially uh, like you said, in the situation where you've got friends who are older and, you know, maybe not to get wasted as, as, as you mm -hmm. say, but maybe just to, you know, get like a little buzz or just to be a yeah. part of what's going on. 
Um, and I would imagine that's hard to kind of abstain um, from that fully um, in those situations. Um, and what about, you know, on the on the boyfriend? I know you got a boyfriend, so you don't need to say anything yeah. incriminating. Um, but it, like, what is that like in terms of um, young woman? Um, you know, you've got the accent and I'm sure um, just as much as it is for the, the women that like the English guys or sit like, you know, on the other side of the coin where, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of guys, you know, interested. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, did, it was, to start with, it was a lot of, oh, wow, you're from England. That's so cool. I love your accent. And you kind of get used to that bit after a while. It's like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I know it's great, isn't it? <laughs> and then <laughs> it's when, like, it's when you get to know the people who aren't bothered by the way I sound or where I'm from. Okay. Like, my boyfriend did not care that I was English at all. He does not care. He says I sound stupid and he says that I say things wrong. But we have arguments about that all the time because he mm-hmm. says words that are wrong, in my opinion. But Well, the language is called was, English. Yeah. I have this, I have this argument is, every day. It? It's called English. <laughs> and the English person coming from England would know mm-hmm. what the English word is. And then- Exactly. Like, no, no, that's, I'm like, okay. I know. I call American English simplified English, but that's just my own personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, like boys will, tr- boys are boys. Boys in college just want one thing and don't give it to them. <laughs> it's my advice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, find some, if you're actually gonna get into a serious relationship, find someone that's there for you, not the accent or the way you look, etc. where you're from like your personality and stuff is more important. Him and I bonded over, we're massive nerds. We like all kinds of computer games and uh, things like Star Wars and all that stuff. We're really into our, our nerdy culture. So we really uh, bonded over that. And sorry to hear about he played that. basketball too. What? Okay, <laughs> so sorry to hear about that, but no, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay, all right, so finding a bond and just kind of Mm-hmm. You know, keeping them at arm's distance. Uh, yeah. Understand um, the motives of of the individual. I guess is mm-hmm. a big one. Um, okay. Last last question. Last big question is: What advice would you give to um, recruits um, to you know those international students that are coming over? Um, what would you What would you tell them? I'd say start looking early don't this is something you can't leave to the last minute otherwise you're gonna not make it or you're gonna end up at a school where you don't fit um and i'd also say don't believe everything that the coach is telling you you've got to take everything with a pinch of salt and you have to speak to everyone in the team to really understand what's going on because some people are going to lie to you saying oh yeah you'll play 40 minutes a game you don't believe them because it's it never works out like that especially for freshmen going into four-year schools you're gonna you're not gonna play much it's just how it goes Mm, i like that um i should have asked you before but what questions um should a recruit you know a prospective student ask the coach what 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 are good questions to know Mm. 
you have to be really brutally honest with the coach you're talking to. So my first question to my JUCO coach was, will it be all paid for? Because as I could not afford even a partial scholarship, I couldn't afford to front that cost. So you, even though it may seem embarrassing, it may seem like you just there for, to get the school for free, uh, it's something you have to ask. Because if you're going in, oh, I really like this school, it's great. And then you find out down the road that it's only a partial scholarship and you can't afford the rest of it, you're gonna hate, have to say no to it if you can't afford it. So you have to be brutally honest with your coach and obviously speak to the players. That's definitely one of the most important parts because they know what it's really like in the in the school. They know what the coach is like when he's not being the salesman that they have to be in order to get people to join. And they know how tough it's going to be and what the league's like, etc. So you have to ask the players more questions and I think you should ask the coach. Okay. Hey, that's, hey, that's great. I, I think that's the first time um, we've had someone like really emphasize talking to the people on the team. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, it makes sense. You know, those are the guys. And hopefully you get individuals that are honest and are, you know, going to try and be truthful and not kind of uh, try and chase you away because they're scared you're going to get those minutes mm -hmm. or, um, you know, they're just going to lie because the coach wants them to lie on their behalf. So. Um, yeah, talking to the teammates is, is I think, is a really good, um, really good solution. Um, Jade, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, it has been amazing um, hearing your journey and stuff. Um, you know, they're, they're playing at different levels, and um, I think it's very brave um, to, you know, I think it's very brave to say to yourself, right, hey, this situation isn't working and I'm going to change and follow my mind to do something else. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people that like stay in situations that they're not happy in or, you know, hey, I'm going to ride it out and for you to know your own mind and um, say, hey, look, this is what I'm going to do regardless and, and find my own path. I think that it takes a lot of, um, it takes a lot of courage um, to do that and, and, and being able to stand on your own convictions and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. So, hey, I commend you. Um, and thank thank you. you for coming to hang out with us today. Thank you. Hey, my name's Jace. Thank you for watching Eurostepping. Um, whatever you do, make sure it makes you happy. Appreciate you watching the Eurostepping. I want to thank everybody for watching Eurostepping. Watching the Euro stepping. The Euro stepping. The Euro stepping. You've been watching the Euro stepping. The Euro stepping. The Euro stepping. You've been watching the Euro stepping, a great podcast show hosted by Coach D.